Hello, and welcome back to our special series of live discussions we're hosting here at KBIA each day at this time and place. Thank you for joining us. What we're doing here is opening up the airwaves each day for community connection, conversation. We're really glad that you took the time to join us today. So Boone County is under a stay-at-home order. We've been instructed to stay home. But while many of us are staying in, we're working from home, we're taking care of our kids, we're binge-watching Netflix, there's a group of professionals out there who do not have that luxury right now. They are the nurses, doctors, emergency responders, and other frontline workers going to work and preparing for and now responding to COVID-19 cases. Today we're talking to people who are working on the front lines of this outbreak in our community, and we'll hear from them on how preparations and the response are going, and also what it's like to work as a healthcare provider through a global crisis like this one. Join us. You can tell us your story. How are you preparing for this crisis if you're a frontline worker or at the family member of someone? Um, what are you doing and what's your story right now? We have a couple of uh, fascinating guests on today who can help us sort through some of these questions and issues. If you have questions for them, you also can just call in, ask what's on your mind, what you're curious about, what you're worried about. Again, that number is 882-9136 or 573-882-9136. Our first guest today is Dr. Ife Olu David. Dr. David has worked on the front lines of the Ebola epidemic in Sierra Leone and as a hospital physician and a public health surveillance worker. He came to Missouri on a Fulbright scholarship, and after finishing his master's in public health, Dr. David is now working toward getting a doctorate. He's speaking to us by phone from his home here in Columbia. Uh, Dr. David, do we have you with us? Actually, I think we are going to be getting Dr. David back on the line in a moment. We also have, so stay tuned to hear from Ifeolu David coming up. We also have Stephanie Browning with us today. Stephanie is the director of the Boone County Public Health and Human Services. She is working on the front lines of things going on here in uh, Columbia. And uh, Stephanie is also extremely busy dealing with the Boone County response and preparation. Stephanie, how are things going for you? Um, they're going well, as well as can be expected during such a tr really trying and troubling time. Yes. Um, you know, we, as a department um, and, as a, and honestly, as a community, probably for the last 20 years, we've been working on various um, public health emergency preparedness things together. We started back after 9-11, um, if people remember back to when the anthrax incidents went mm -hmm. on that started mm -hmm. us probably way back then we've done pandemic flu planning together we've responded jointly to h1n1 and you know and as our system when i think about the health care or the public health system it's not only your local public health agency but it's your hospitals it's your ems um, oftentimes it's our it's our you know fire police it's a big broad system businesses nonprofits etc so you know we've been planning for a long time we just never really hoped we would have to use it to the degree we are today yes so, so uh, i suppose this you you as you're saying you you have plans you have preparations and protocols in place but this is probably like nothing you've ever seen in your lifetime yes correct correct um yeah and and you know never in my wildest dreams did i think i would have to do a stay-at-home order mm. um, 
something mm-hmm. that I know is is really really difficult on on people in our community and it you know but it, it was done because I care so much about the community and watching the number of cases that are going on how could we not stand how could we not stand by and or mm-hmm. you know step back and take yes. some action to try to slow it down yeah tell us a little bit about how a stay-at-home order comes about it's it's obviously really difficult you're effectively telling people to stay away from our local businesses um, and right. so many and things that sure. we prom- want to promote as a community uh, right. what what goes into well, that decision making well um, for me I was looking at when we started looking at um, the cases that we thought were community acquired or community transmission cases um, you know it's one thing when you can I, you have a case and they've traveled to an affected area and you can identify when their symptoms were and you can identify their close contacts and put them in quarantine. But when you start having cases where there's just nothing, there's not a travel or another contact with the case, then you have to think it's in the community and we need, we need to do something to keep this community healthy. And so really, and you know, I'm on phone calls daily with the large metropolitan health departments and you know we were talking with st louis and kansas city and st louis said we know we've got community spread going on and so you know when we start thinking about that we have and we just had to take those steps okay sure um we're talking with stephanie browning stephanie is the director of boone county public health and human services if you have a question for stephanie she's been involved in the frontline decision making on the stay-at-home order in a moment, we're also going to hear from Ifeolu David, who's worked on the frontline crises globally, including in the Ebola crisis in Sierra Leone. Join us. Give us your calls. Uh, give us your questions, what you're curious about. Also, what are you doing to prepare for this crisis? If you are a frontline worker, you have some experience from this. We'd really love to hear from you. Um, Stephanie, what would you say, you talked a little bit about your day today. What would you say the stage of response is? You just mentioned that we are at the the level of community spread right now. Um, what is your day today looking like and what are you most worried about? What's your biggest challenge right now? Um, well, I, I, let me put this from the perspective of the typical public health worker right yes. now, rather than my day today. Okay. Um, that's less important. It's what's happening in inside these these doors. So, um, you know, we're a fairly diverse department of services. We inspect your restaurants. We um, have WIC programs. We do immunizations. We have help do all sorts of health promotion things, animal control, uh, human services. So, as you can imagine, many of those services have been very much scaled back. We're trying to minimize the number of people that come into the facility. Um, so we've totally shifted the way we're doing business. We have got people that are some that can work safely from home. Um, so we're trying to, you know, get people out of the building to reduce our own risk. Uh, but a typical day here is a very early morning, um, finding out how many new cases came in overnight and starting the contact investigations and, you know, connecting with the, the patient and doing education. Um, and then identifying all the contacts, finding out who needs to be quarantined and doing all of that. We've pulled staff. Um, of course, you, as you can imagine, there's a lot of public information needs. So we've pulled yes. our community relations staff, has a team standing up to help us um, to get things out on the media, to keep things up to date. Um, 
we pulled in environmental health specialists to work in various roles, like we're screening people at the front door when they come in. We're screening staff when they yes. come in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we realize that we can't, um, we cannot afford to get sick. Yes. We're the ones doing the investigation. Right. Um, so, you know, we've got our, our social services side, our human services side of the house is working uh, really hard on some of the really large community issues that need to be addressed, like uh, finding housing for unsheltered yes. uh, people in the community that mm-hmm. might get sick, um, their food security issues, uh, you know, coordinating with the other nonprofits. Um, I mean, it's just, a, it's very complex, but it, I also have to say, um, it's also very, it's rewarding. You know, this is, this is what public health does, not on this scale, but this is the kind of thing we do every day. It's just on a scale that's unprecedented. And um, when I look around and I see what, I see how my staff have jumped in and pitched in and reached across divisions to work on it, it's, it's fantastic. Stephanie. I, I so appreciate what you're saying, and I, I, you know, so many of us can relate to what you're saying, that when things get really challenging and really desperate, that's when you also see people and their resilience and their generosity and grace, and oh, so yeah. you, you see both at once, and that's such a great reminder because you really are on the front lines right now. Stephanie, if you can hang on one moment, let me just remind listeners, again, you're listening to uh, KBIA's live check-in that we're doing every day at noon. Thank you for joining us. We're talking with Stephanie Browning, Boone County Public Health and Human Services director who's really on the front lines and the preparation and response. We're also going to uh, be talking with Ifeo Lou David, who's worked on crises globally on the front lines, and we're talking about frontline response. You can join our conversation at 882-9136. Stephanie, let's uh, go to a caller we have on the line uh, right now. Um, Alice is calling. Alice, uh, did you have a question for Stephanie or me? Yeah, and I, I also just want to thank Stephanie for the stay-at-home order to protect us. That was excellent. But here's my question. I saw media accounts that the state, uh, first of all, that Boone County says they're ready with personal protective gear, and secondly, the state listed what they've been buying additionally. I did not see ventilators on the list. And what is our status with ventilators in Boone County? Because we know from New York how critical that is for the very ill. Thank you for the question, right. Alice. Uh, Stephanie, do you know the answer to that question about ventilators? You know what? I, I, that is not something that I could just pull off the top of my head right now. Um, that's a conversation that we would be having with the hospitals. And there's a planning team that works on that, but they haven't briefed me on that. Okay. Um, I don't want. Uh, I don't want to misspeak. Is what I'm saying. Sure. No, I appreciate that. And there's there's just a lot going on at once and a lot to know. But Alice, thank you so much for the question. Stay tuned, Alice. We are speaking with the chief nursing officer later this half hour, Mary thank Beck, you. who I believe will be able to answer that question. Thanks for the call, Alice. Yes, she will. Yes, so we we will. um, Alice, thanks again for that question. I've added it to my list of questions for Mary Beck. Um, If you have a question you want to call us, go ahead. 882-9136 is where you can call us and join the discussion. Um, Let's go to one other caller. Uh, Lisa is calling from Jefferson City. Uh, Lisa, did you have a question for, for Stephanie? Yes, I did. I saw that the Missouri Medical Association had written a letter to Governor Parsons asking him to implement a shelter in place order. And so far, he's not done that although I know various localities have done it around the state, various levels of intensity. And I just wonder what would be the benefit, and I agree there probably would be one, to him doing it statewide versus these kind of patchwork 
and if she if she would know the answer right. to that question. Thanks, Lisa. Right. Thanks well, for that question. It's a very good question because um, we do see across the country where whole states have gone to a shelter or a, a stay-at-home type um, order from the governor's office. And, yes. And um, I think for me a benefit, so I'm going to speak about Boone County. So one of the things that I think would be a benefit for Boone County is that we're surrounded by, we have several counties that touch us. And we are, and this is where many of them come to get their health care. So we can we can have an order here for Boone County, and ask people to stay home. But we know that people might be traveling to us from Sheridan County as their provider. So our our population is really effectively much bigger than what we normally have, right? And without those other counties surrounding us having those same kinds of orders. Um, you know, it, it's it's not going to help us flatten the curve as much. So I think it's really important. I also understand uh, the governor, you know, is trying to give people local control. I think he has to think about, you know, very, very rural areas and, the, and what will happen. But I think as we see the number of cases go up, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see things change. I, you know, I, I'm, I look at... Um, like Kansas City, if when they started their stay-at-home order, when you, you start looking all around them, they've created a nice ring around Kansas City proper with everybody everybody doing the same. Okay. So. Stephanie Browning, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back anytime. Uh, you're very sure. busy, but please join our discussion that's e happening weekdays at noon um, to share your insights, how the things are going, and also a question that we didn't really get to today about how the community can help. Why don't we pick up that discussion next time? Sure, that would be great. Thank you, Stephanie. Please take care. Okay, that was Stephanie Browning, the Director of Boone County Public Health and Human Services. Uh, next guest we have, Dr. Ifa Leo David, has worked on the front lines of the Ebola epidemic in Sierra Leone and as a hospital physician and public health surveillance worker. Um, he is joining us today from his home in Columbia. Welcome, Ifa Leo David. Thank you for being here. Hello, everyone. Hello. So, uh, Dr. David, can you tell us, as someone who has worked on the front lines of an epidemic, um, how, what, what are you observing in in observing the crisis unfold here? You're observing it with a lot more knowledge and firsthand knowledge of how these things develop and then what happens, what the frontline response and what that frontline experience is like. What are your thoughts as you watch this crisis unfold? Yes, so um, I think the, the crisis now that we have, it, it has a, a few similarities with the one we have with the Ebola outbreak just a few years ago. But then we also have a few differences. So um, one of the similarities is the generalized spread of panic. I mean, everyone has this sense of fear, this sense of tension, yes. which I mean is understandable given what is at stake. And um, there are things we know about the, the disease as with um, the Ebola when it started. There are things we know. There are things we don't know. So that also contributes to the uh, to the level of fear and panic. And uh, but I mean, a few differences we have now is the fact that uh, the current outbreak it's 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 it 
spread globally now. There are lots of countries who are who are affected. Uh, with the Ebola outbreak, it was just three countries, Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Liberia, who were severely affected. And then there were cases spilling over uh, intermittently to other countries, for sure. But then it was basically three countries. So now we see this pandemic, it's, it's, it's troubling everywhere. And with the current outbreak, there are a lot of things people don't know yet, especially with uh, transmission and so with with this lot of unknown, it, it just it creates a sense of panic. Mm. So yes, yeah, that's something I've seen so far. Yes, how as someone who's worked on the front lines, what what do you recommend to someone uh, to other providers on how to stay well mentally and physically during a crisis like this? As someone who's lived through it, what would you recommend? Yeah, it's quite hard to stay well mentally in this uh, in this kind of uh, outbreak setting. Uh, but the, a few things I mean that work for me, and I believe could work for 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 everyone, is um, having um, adequate communication with other colleagues. So um, when you have this crisis, logistics issue comes comes in, like having enough uh, personal protective equipment. I mean. Keep uh, maintaining uh, um, infectious prevention control uh, practices. Yeah. So, having constant communication with colleagues, colleagues who are on duty, colleagues who are off duty, kind of really helps because there are things you can seek further information from other colleagues for and it helps. But then, um, the one thing I, I think that is very important is protecting yourself. Yes. Okay, well, we definitely want our providers to be protecting themselves, and we really, we really want to know uh, advice on how they're protecting themselves. So we've got another guest that we're going to bring in here. Um, Dr. David, if you are available to stay on the line, we'd love to come back to you in a little bit. Um, thank you so much for being with us. Um, also, uh, we have uh, MU's Chief Nursing Officer, Dr. Uh, and Professor Mary Beck on the line. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you today. Professor Beck, what do your daily pre preparations and response efforts include right now? Uh, so we, we stood up an incident command center because this is a national emergency and, and local community emergency. And so each morning at 8 o'clock, our incident command system has a meeting uh, with a briefing by each section chief. And so section chiefs are really responsible for looking at what is the planning, current and long term, uh, human resources, uh, such as a labor pool. Our uh, logistics would be looking at all our supplies, whether it be uh, our uh, personal protective equipment, the PPE equipment, uh, but also just all the supplies that we need to keep the organization going. So they are continually looking at that. So we have several sections that we, we get a report out. Uh, are there any barriers to getting what we need? And then how are we going to support uh, addressing the, any concerns and or we're in good shape? Um, one of the things I think is really important within that meeting is that we have a liaison officer that really is looking to and works with um, the regional area, uh, uh, other command staffs, and the state. Okay. So we really are looking at how do we make sure that we have a very coordinated effort across our region. And how is that going, uh, Professor Beck? Um, 
with the PPE, specifically those personal protective equipment um, that we're just hearing a lot about, masks and so forth, um, do you feel that we have what is needed right now? And uh, what are the efforts like in making sure that you have the stocks that you need? Yeah, sure. So we that's uh, something that we uh, assess on and pretty much uh, throughout every single day. Uh, we have our suppliers that our supply team uh, has reached across the world literally to make sure that we're getting supplies in. We have tapped into the state cache of emergency equipment, and we did get a supply, partial supply on Monday. But, you know, the mask and personal protective equipment are really equipment are very important. There are different levels of masks based upon what is your contact with an individual going to be, uh, what is their condition. And so we know that uh, the uh, N95 respirator is the one that if there's going to be aerosolized uh, uh, secretions, that that's one that you would need to have on. We took steps this week that we were able to procure enough that we gave every one of our clinicians that are uh, having direct contact with patients that they have one. They are not to be used in all contact. It's not necessary. It's not appropriate. But in those circumstances where they, there would be the aerosolized uh, uh, risk, um, that would be the right uh, time to use it. Otherwise, we have adequate supplies of our regular mask, isolation mask, and we actually are also working uh, to have some additional ones made because we have to look at the long term, uh, not just, you know, for this week and next week. We don't know how long this event will last. So we are looking out 10, 12 weeks. If it goes that long, we want to make sure we have enough supplies. So we are uh, have created a, a, uh, a model, a pattern, and uh, are working um, with a variety of people on the local level uh, that have been very gracious to donate time and efforts and supplies to us, and then actually purchasing the fabric that we think is the best fabric to use in creating these masks. So we have local seamstresses then that are making them. Um, so we really feel like we're doing a good job. We're uh, trying to stay ahead, and we are staying ahead, I believe, of what we need um, for now and in the future. We have a plan, really solid plan. That's great to hear. Uh, you're listening to KBIA's live uh, check-in daily at noon. We're talking to MU Chief Nursing Officer, Professor Mary Beck, who is on the front lines coordinating our response in the clinics, hospitals with providers and nurses. Um, Professor Beck, uh, you just mentioned about the masks, so we've had a lot of questions about this. Um, are there ways that the community can get involved in, in helping provide masks in any way? Uh, if the ones we're not going to just, uh, to be quite honest, we're not going to accept masks that people make homemade. Yes. We, we are coordinating what we believe is the best for our uh, team. Mm -hmm. And so uh, people can sign up if they're a seamstress. Okay. Um, they can sign up. We have a website, and I'm going to try to find it right here. Okay. Um, yeah, good idea. So yeah. if you want so to sew and you want to help with this, uh, this would be the 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 website and the resource to go through yeah. so that yeah. your efforts are, are used. Right. And and yes. So we want the mask made in an environment that's smoke-free, animal-free, okay. Okay. Um, because that's important. You know, we don't know if our staff would have allergies to either of those and don't want to expose them to that, on t you know, on top of what they're working with now. Sure. So if you want to volunteer, I will tell you, you will be on a list 
because it's a long list right now, okay. uh, but the, it's uh, www.muhealth.org um, backslash mask. Okay, www.muhealth.org backslash masks. We will also put that online later when we post this show at kbia.org. We are talking with Professor Beck. Uh, She is the chief nursing officer at MU working on the front lines. What questions do you have for Professor Beck about our community response, about the way we are preparing to keep providers safe as well as patients safe? If you are a frontline worker, if you have family and you're kind of trying to balance the needs of your family with your professional job and demands right now, I have my own family members who are doing this. I know that it's difficult. Uh, let us know what's going on with you. Um, if you're just curious about uh, the preparations and have a, a question for Professor Beck, you can join us at 573-882-9136. We're wrapping up here in a few minutes. We, we can probably get one or two more calls in if you want to join the discussion at 882-9136. Professor Beck, we had a question about ventilators earlier from uh-huh. a caller. Um, do this is very worrying across the, the globe, uh-huh. really. What are you doing to address that challenge with ventilators for patients? Sure. So we, we've obviously done an inventory. We've procured additional ventilators. Um, so we, uh, within our area that we can, uh, looking at, you know, just across the region who has ventilators. And then <clears throat> we've taken guidance uh, from even uh, organizations, say, in New York or in Washington. And if need be, can we use a ventilator to ventilate more than one person? Mm-hmm. And we, so we have a plan. If, if we would get to that state, we know how we would do that. Um, we also had a reach out from uh, GE yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our uh, manager of respiratory therapy is in contact with them about because we understand that the uh, – you know, uh, President Trump uh, really looking to our manufacturers, what are things that they can uh, change and do differently to help during this health crisis. So our uh, manager of respiratory and therapy is in contact with GE to say what's that going to look like for MU Healthcare. All right. Uh, Professor Beck, um, just in the last few minutes we have, I have to ask you, we've talked a lot about the details and preparations and the PPE and other things that you're really, really focused on. In general, what would you like the community to do to assist, to keep in mind, and also health care providers? What would you say to those listeners on how to stay safe and what to keep in mind as we go forward into this? Right. So when I think about our community, I think the most important thing is that, you know, our mayor in Columbia and anywhere is that, you know, we stay home. Yes. You stay home. If you don't have an essential job, stay home. Only go out when you need to get your food, um, that type of thing. Or if you do need to go to a doctor, um, really be mindful of that. Uh, Take care of yourself. Go for a walk. If you're going with someone, keep your social distance. My husband and I walked last evening. We kept our social distance even. Good. So we, I mean, it just, and, you know, we saw some friends in the neighborhood, but it's the wave and mm-hmm. a holler across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not the hug, not the handshake. Uh, yeah. Wash your hands. Okay. So your your main advice from our community's chief nursing officer here is to stay well, take care of yourself and stay socially distant. In some ways, keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Professor Mary Beck. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. That's it for today's live Intersection Forum. Thank you, Ifileo, David, Mary Beck, Stephanie Browning for joining us today and talking about what you're doing on the front lines. Hey, if you're listening and needing help, you can call 211 and the United Way of Missouri is there to help. Como.gov slash coronavirus is another uh, website where the city of Columbia has a get help section for you. You can go to comohelps.org. And then uh, Professor Mary Beck was also mentioning muhealth.org backslash masks. If you want to assist and get in touch and help create masks, that's how to do it. This program is produced by Chris Hustad and me with KBIA News Director Ryan Famuliner, Zia Kelly, and Madison Conti. And for more community and conversation over the airwaves, meet us back here tomorrow at noon. I'm Janet Saidi. Stay, stay in touch.